on this glorious uh, Palm Sunday. <clears throat> Let's just ask the Lord to uh, continue to be among us as he speaks to us from his word this morning. Let's pray together. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this occasion that brings us together as a corporate body of your people here at Sunnybank District Baptist Church. Thank you for the week that we've had, whatever that's been, Lord. Thank you that you have caused us to cling to you. Thank you that we have been aware of your presence. And uh, Lord, that we're able to come together here this morning, corporately, to be able to encourage each other, to build one another up, and most of all, to meet with you, to sit at your feet, and to listen to your voice and your words to us today. Thank you that you've already been speaking, and uh, we continue to look forward to this time together as we open your word in Jesus' precious name. Amen. It is Palm Sunday, but we're continuing in the series from Ephesians, and uh, it's my joy uh, to bring the conclusion of that letter to you here this morning. I'm going to read a little story. I hope it's not too graphic for the children here this morning. If it is, then parents, you can growl at me afterwards, but... Uh, uh, I guess maybe Anzac Day down the track, just only a couple of weeks away, and, and uh, the, the, the type of theme we're looking at this morning. Let me read you this. Private Harry Taylor was a dispatch rider with the Army Cyclist Corps in 1915. One night in northern France, while Private Harry was on his bike, a German sniper, with deadly accuracy, fired a shot, hitting the dispatch rider in the left side of his chest throwing him off his bike into the ground. A few moments later, Private Harry Taylor opened his eyes, felt the, rest, the left side of his chest, opened up his pocket and pulled out his Bible with a bullet embedded in the Bible itself. <laughs> this isn't the Bible, obviously. His son... Uh, by the name of uh, his son Roy, who is 88 years of age, from Hyde near Manchester, who has eight children, 18 grandchildren, 14 great-grandchildren, still has that Bible today, and uh, he is grateful that his father had it in his left side pocket on that day. And you can imagine why, because he wouldn't be there. Here's a question. Was his dad... Private Harry Taylor wearing body armour on that day? You might say yes and you might say no. Yes, he was. I wonder how many people were praying for that man during his active service. Yes, he was wearing armour that day. But no, it wasn't the sort of armour that the army supplies either. You know... As we open this book of Ephesians and the last chapter, the Apostle Paul brings this letter to a close. And it seems as he does that, that he, ha that he also gives us this insight that he has a keen interest in the use of armour. No doubt it was because he often spent time being chained to Roman soldiers and guards. And uh, as he spent a, a fair amount of his time in jail... But he spent that time chained to these Roman guards who wore armour as part of their military duties and as part of their, of their uniform. And it's understandable then, when you, when, you, <clears throat> when you take that into account, that the Holy Spirit used these very things to show Paul that God also had armour. 
God has an armory. And he expects his people to use it. He has weapons for us. Weapons that are available and get this essential, essential for believers to put on as they face, as we face our enemy, our spiritual enemy, the devil. Paul was very aware of the fact that every believer in Christ, sorry to say that this morning, every one of you in Christ this morning, you are engaged in spiritual warfare at various levels and at various times in various ways. I wonder if you've been aware of that. Some of you are smiling and nodding. I wonder if you're aware of the fact that you as a Christian, you are engaged in a spiritual warfare. And I'm sure that most of you are. For example, how's your week been this week? Just breezed on through? Has it been a really good week for you? Everything's just run smoothly? Let me ask you another question. How did it go for you this morning as you prepared to get ready to come to church? Everything just goes smoothly for you? I wonder. I believe that we are engaged in a spiritual warfare. There's uh, some readings I want to bring to you. Romans, for example. Paul, when he wrote the Romans, he said this. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind. I wonder if you've experienced these things. When Peter wrote his epistle, he said this, Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. You see, Paul also knew that without God's armour, we wouldn't stand a chance. We simply wouldn't stand a chance. Simply because... The true enemies that Christians face and the struggles that we have are not against other human beings. They're not against other people. You might think so. But they're they're not against flesh and blood as Paul talks about. He says this in verse 12, but they're against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our battles are with a spiritual enemy. They're against Satan and his demons. They are our enemies. And we need, therefore, to use spiritual armour. Doesn't it make sense? Against a spiritual enemy, we need to use spiritual armour. We need to tap in to the full armour that God supplies. We need spiritual weaponry from God's armoury. And so we see the Apostle Paul urging the church at Ephesus, saying this, Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, notice he says when and not if, it's, it's when, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. And then he says in the, to the Corinthians, something very similar, he says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. I love this. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Isn't that awesome? That's the kind of weaponry that you have as a Christian, as a believer in Christ. 
So what are exactly, what, what are these, these spiritual weapons and the armour that come from God and how do we use them? And I need to zip through this because I reckon that we're going to really be going pushing for time to get through all these pieces of armour. So what are these spiritual weapons and what is this armour? First of all, the scripture tells us, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Have you ever wondered why did Paul start with the belt? Don't you think it would have been logical for him to start from the top and kind of work down, naming all the bits of armour that go... It would have been logical to do it that way, don't you think? So why did he start at the, at the belt and not the head? Well, you see, it, it does make sense when you realise that it was the belt, that wide leather girdle that they used to wear, that held the rest of the armour in place, and it was normally put on first. So why did he then call it the belt of truth? Well, see, the belt also braces you, gives you freedom to move, but it also braces you. It also provides stability and firmness. And don't you think God's truth does that? Don't you think God's truth gives you firmness and stability? And the soldier's belt does that. I just bought something to show you. Sometimes I have to wear this in my role as a chaplain with the army. So I thought I'd bring to you my belt of truth. There it is there. See how big it is? How wide? And do you notice how everything... I'm not going to put it on because it'll really mess everything up. But it's got a lot of stuff attached to it. Everything hangs off and is attached and connected to the belt. The belt of truth. And soldiers need to wear that. Soldiers wear that today. The belt of truth. So when you see them wearing that, pray for them. That God will give them... The real spiritual belt of truth. I love how this author also describes this. I don't know who he was or she was, I don't know. But it goes like this. Truth is the foundation on which everything is built. If you don't know what truth is, you cannot avoid deception and will fall to the wiles or deception of the devil. There are not multiple truths the Bible expressly rules out anything but itself and God's truth. Either the Bible is wrong or all other religions are wrong. We must choose whose word we believe. This belt is what holds all things together, as you've seen. It holds it all together. Everything in our spiritual life is fastened and held in place by truth. Without a solid understanding of truth, all your defences are compromised. You've got to know the truth. You've got to be standing on the truth. You've got to be bolted down in Christ. Otherwise, you will be blown around by every wind of doctrine that comes along, as the scripture talks about. You've got to know the truth, and Jesus Christ is that truth. In the four Gospels, there's something like 78 times the words of Jesus are recorded saying, I tell you the truth. I tell you the truth. Jesus always tells the truth. Satan always tells us lies. Jesus always tells the truth. Because why? Why does he always tell the truth? Because he is the truth. And you know that scripture, I'm sure, really well. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. David, when he wrote the psalm, knew of this fact himself. And he said this, I have chosen 
the way of truth. I have chosen the way of truth. I have set my heart on your laws. And I want to encourage you this morning to choose truth. What's your foundation this morning? What's your belt that girds you and keeps you? I encourage you, you you need to choose truth. You need to choose Jesus Christ, wear the belt of truth, so that you can withstand the lies and the deception of the evil one. And he's out there in full force. And so do we need to be out there as Christians in full force. And we have the armour to do that. The second thing you'll need, the breastplate of righteousness, Paul talks about. Make sure this breastplate of righteousness is in place, he says. The soldier's breastplate, usually made of leather, overlaid with strips of metal, was designed to protect the vital organs of the heart, such as your heart, your lungs, and all the other vital structures, veins and vessels in your chest. And they were designed to protect those organs against uh, being traumatised during an attack by the enemy. So we can visualise what this part does, can't we? So when we put on the spiritual breastplate of righteousness we are protected by God's righteousness this is absolutely essential for us all because why we don't have a righteousness of our own we don't have anything of our own it all comes from him we are totally absolutely depend on the Lord we do not have a righteousness of his own so we take his and we wear that as our breastplate the Bible says this Paul talking to the Romans he says as it is written there is none righteous not even one none righteous and then when he wrote to the Corinthians in his second letter he said this God made him Jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God you see this was the very reason that Jesus willingly gave his life for us on the cross because you and I otherwise uh, we could never otherwise stand in a righteous or justified position before God no matter who you are and no matter what you did you could never stand before God who is holy and righteous and stand before him and be considered holy and righteous without his righteousness his breastplate of righteousness on you that only Christ can give so you see, sin condemned us all. Sin condemned us all before a righteous and a holy God. Therefore, when we put on God's breastplate of righteousness, it protects us against the enemy's attacks. It protects us against his attacks of accusation. It protects us against his attacks of, of, of condemnation and of humiliation. Have you ever had those feelings? kind of dumb to ask that question when did you last feel as if you were being attacked when did you last feel accused when did you last feel condemned when did you last feel humiliated by the evil one and you need to remember folks that satan is called the accuser the accuser Read Revelation 12 and start from verse 10, go down to 11. He's called the accuser of the brethren who accuses us day and night before the Father. But he doesn't have a leg to stand on because of the cross, because of Jesus Christ and his righteousness. 
Satan does not have a case. He is thrown out of heaven. And the Bible says that. He was cast out. And they, being you and I, overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. That's the power, that's the authority we have in Jesus Christ. So when you feel as if you are being accused by the evil one, when you feel as if he's condemning you, when you feel humiliated, when you feel anything at all that is belittling you and pulling you down, give him no place in your heart. He has no right to be there if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Instead, you put on the breastplate of righteousness which protects your heart with the promises of God, promises like these. And folks, you need to memorize these kinds of verses. You need to know where to go to get them. Verses like this, for example, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's now no condemnation if you're in Christ Jesus. So when the enemy starts throwing these accusations at you, you put on the breastplate of righteousness and they just fall off. He has no stand in your life, no place. And when you pray, you need to visualize yourself putting this armor on. Visualize yourself fitting yourself with these pieces of armor. Paul also says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Good footwear is essential for the soldiers. Even today, they were back then. And the Roman soldiers, according to one historian or one commentator, apparently they wore very lightweight sandals. And I think we've seen these in all the movies, these soldiers wearing sandals uh, that, that had straps around the calves. And on the bottom of their feet, apparently they had metal spikes. They had these, these spikes underneath their, the, the shoes that assured them of a, of a sure footing, of a firm footing. And their plan, the soldier's plan, was to be the ones pushing forward. And so they'd dig their feet in the ground and they would push forward and they would not slip as they pushed their enemy. Sounds a bit like a rugby scrum, doesn't it? If they get on the foot and they push and push, the enemy has not much of a chance of retaliating like that. Well, this is what these soldiers wore. And the Romans realised that their soldiers, the soldiers realize that with, with the best footing, that they will have the victory on the battlefield and therefore peace in the land. Victory and peace. You know, the only way that you and I can be victorious against our enemy is to have peace with God. A sure footing. Be equipped with the gospel of peace. You've got to have peace with God if you're going to have victory over the enemy. And this can only happen for you when you have accepted the gospel of peace, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to accept his gospel. Then you'll have peace with God and you will know the peace of God in your life. Paul says this to the Romans. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you this morning, do you have that kind of peace today? Do you have that peace in your heart? The world is screaming for peace. And they're looking at all kinds of places to get it. You have the answer as a Christian. It's the peace of God in your heart through the gospel of peace. Not only does this gospel of peace give for the believer a sure footing in life that won't slip and it will give you peace with God. But listen to this. This is important too. 
this gospel that, that, that our feet are bound with, if you like. They're also meant to take the gospel of peace to others. These feet are meant to get walking. And they're meant to be taking this gospel of peace so that others can hear the same message that brought you to Christ. Isaiah 52, 7, quoted by Paul in Romans 10, 15, says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation. God wants you and I to do that when we take up his full armour. Satan has declared war on the believer, but you and I in Christ have an absolute victory over any battle he wants to wage against you. We have the victory. We have peace with God and we have the message of peace to deliver for him. It's all part of the full armour of God that each of, us, each of us needs to put on. And then in verse 16, Paul says this, In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. One historian described the shield like this, the Roman soldier's shield was an oblong shape made of glued planks of wood wrapped in canvas and calf skin and edged with iron so that when the enemy dipped the ends of the arrows in pitch and set fire to them and shot these arrows as they did, the arrows would bury in the shield and be extinguished. Surprisingly, he says, the shield was the most active part of the soldier's defensive armour. Without it, he would not survive. And you can see that. And the same applies for the believer. Without the shield of faith in our lives, likewise, folks, we would not survive. The Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And look, we don't get far in life if you're not pleasing God. You kind of get that, do you? We don't get very far if we're not pleasing God. It doesn't turn out well for us in the end. And we've got to have faith to please God. Read, read, read Hebrews 12. And so we are urged to put our faith in the promises of God and not depend on feelings. We need to walk by faith. and Sorry, we are to live by faith or walk by faith and not by sight. So let me encourage you this morning as we look at this topic, let me encourage you to read your Bibles regularly. And I'd even say, folks, read your Bible every day. Find a time. Find the time. Find the place and meet with God and have time in his word. It's so important that we do that. And I, and I also believe it's important to underline the promises. Don't be frightened to write in your Bible. Underline, highlight the promises that God gives you as you meet, his, as you meet him in the word. Memorize specific verses that speak to your heart. Know where to go for them. Um, verses that affirm your salvation. Verses that affirm the fact that God has forgiven you. You need to know these things. We need to take up your shield of faith and the devil cannot penetrate such a shield uh, when you hold that in Jesus' name. Then in verse 17, he says, Take up the helmet. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Every Roman soldier wore a helmet, a metal helmet to protect, you might say probably the most important part, being the head. Everything happens up here, doesn't it? The body gets directions from here. 
Everything else works from here. And I think that's probably why Jesus is called the head and we're the body. Every Roman soldier wore this metal helmet to protect his head. Satan wants to attack your mind. Satan wants to attack your mind just as he did Adam and Eve way back there in the Garden of Eden. He wants to attack your mind. And Paul even uses this by saying this in Corinthians. But I am afraid. He says, I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Satan does attack your mind. He attacks it with doubts about God's best for you. He will cause you to question God as he caused Eve to question God. He will put thoughts in your mind saying, did God really say that? Did God really say? And he'll get you to question the things that you know are true. So we need to wear that helmet. It's essential. He'll even get you to question your own salvation. And if you have those times, you need to talk to another mature believer who will reaffirm you, who will build you up. He'll take you to the scripture. It's essential for every believer to fill their minds with God's word because if it doesn't happen that way, the world and the devil are more than willing to fill it for you. Did you get that? But they'll fill it with their lies, with their impurity, and with their deception. So let God's word fill your minds. I love what Paul says here. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, he says, put it into practice and the God of peace, there it is again, the God of peace will be with you. Fill your minds with God's word because the world will fill it for you. But it won't be God's word. It'll be all the other garbage that we get thrown at us today. So when you wear the helmet of salvation, you'll also be ready then to, to, to use the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let me keep pushing on. Every Roman soldier carried a sword. And it was a very effective weapon. Short and double-edged, used for close combat. And the writer to the Hebrews also uses this analogy. And he says this, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitude of the heart. Did you know this? <clears throat> that the sword of the spirit is the most powerful weapon in the universe. The sword of the spirit, the most powerful weapon in the universe. But note this. It's only effective when it's removed from the scabbard and used. The soldier looked pretty silly if he went into battle facing an enemy and his sword was still in the scabbard, don't you think? He needs to withdraw the sword and be ready to use it. And when it's being used, that's when it's effective, obviously. And as Christians, we believe that the Bible is the word of God, but it's only effective when it's taken from the shelf. <laughs> or from your bedside cabinet, 
when it's taken from the shelf at your bedside, when it's read, when it's meditated upon, when you memorize it and when you act on it. That's when it's effective. And I believe the most dramatic example that we see of this in action is when the Lord Jesus himself was being tempted in the wilderness. And you remember that time, 40 days, 40 nights, he was out there. He used the sword of the Spirit against Satan. Every time Satan came against Jesus, Jesus would say, it is written, it is written, it is written. And he used the Spirit, sorry, he used the sword of the Spirit by quoting Scripture, overcoming Satan every time. And we need to see this in Jesus. He role modeled this beautifully. Jesus did not argue with Satan. He did not reason with Satan. He did not debate with Satan. He simply used the sword of the Spirit. And you and I, folks, when we have these accusations, when we come against the evil one, don't debate Satan. Don't reason with him. Don't entertain his thoughts. You pull out the sword and you use it immediately. It is written. Get thee behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. And he does. He has to. He's defeated. I love how James says this. He says, submit yourselves then to God. Did you get that? James 4, 7. These are the verses we need to know. Submit yourselves therefore, therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's a promise. By the sword of the spirit that you're using, which is the word of God. And folks, we do this as a wrap it up. We do this through prayer. All this is done in prayer. That's why Paul at the end of his letter, as he closes his letter, he says to the Ephesians, and pray in verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. You know, this whole theme that we're talking about for this part of the year is about connecting, isn't it? Connecting with God, connecting with each other, connecting those outside of Christ to him. Connecting. And prayer connects us to God. It connects us with his armory. It connects us with each other. It empowers us to reach out to others with the gospel of peace and connects us with them. I love what William Cowper once said. He said, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint upon their knees that's the power that we have through prayer let me ask again or let me say this again the full armor of God supplies the believer in Christ with the most powerful weapon in the universe do you believe that then the challenging question is are you using it are you using it regularly Satan knows he's defeated by the word of God therefore he will keep you as best he can from prayer, from quoting scripture, from reading your scripture. He will keep you from being a victorious Christian. He wants you to be weak. Christ wants you to grow. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for this message. We thank you for the armor of God, the full armor of God. We thank you that it's readily available for every single one of us. And you have a suit of armor that will fit us all, Lord, tailor-made for each one of us. And we thank you this morning that we have that. And we want to just, uh, Lord, pray that you'll help us to put it on every day. And, uh, Lord, to live the victorious life that you want us to. Lord, we want to be a victorious church for you. Help us corporately to wear this armor and to build one another up in our most holy faith. 
And so we bless you, Lord, and thank you and pray that you'll continue to encourage us. Spur us on, Lord, we pray, in the work and in the calling that you have for each one of us here in this fellowship and individually in our families, Lord. Help us to wear the armour in our family life, in our home life, in our private life. Help us, loving Father. We thank you that you're there with us, for us, with everything we need we have in you. Thank you. And we want to commit ourselves into your hands now as we go out into the rest of this day and this week. In Jesus' mighty and wonderful name. And all God's people said, Amen. Bless you, folks. Mm -hmm.